Check one, two, check one, two. Miami on the Rocks, Casey Chops. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, at MIA on the Rocks. Follow us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Today's guest, we got a Broward boy in here. What's going Runs on, one baby? of the biggest gyms in uh, South Florida, in Broward, um, located in Davie. I got Nick Hicks in here. What's up, What's my bro? On, How are you, bro? Chilling, man. What's the name Appreciate of the gym? It. It's called Perform. Perform, yep. Perform. And, and... A lot of people in Broward know about you, bro, especially in the fitness space because, you know, you, you've made a name um, at Elevate, which was your former gym about five years ago. Yep. And, and you've had everyone in there from from shoot from professional athletes to, to models to, to to everyone. Yep. You know what I mean? And now you run your gym. You solo, right? No, I got a business partner. His, okay. name, his name is Zach Cardone. He is actually was an intern before Elevate that I had. Mm -hmm. Way back when I was a head strength coach at St. Thomas University in Miami Gardens. Okay. And then when I opened up Elevate, he was the first trainer that I hired. Mm -hmm. And then when I left Elevate, he came with me and we decided to go into business together. Dope, yeah, he, dope. He's my right hand man. Dope, dope. So can we talk about your, your beginnings, bro? You're from Broward? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually from Pember Pines, born and raised Pember Pines. Um, shoot. I, I went to American Heritage High mm -hmm. School. Um, yeah, I'm a Broward guy through and through. But I got into training. Um, you know, it's funny, man. I was actually a broadcast comm major going into college. You know, I wanted to be a DJ, radio DJ, and or you know, ESPN type guy. Mm -hmm. But my my football career kind of you know led me straight from that and got me into the. You played football at Heritage. I played football at Heritage. Yeah, okay. I went to a school in Chicago called North Central and uh, played ball there. But I had torn my ACL uh, twice in high school, which mm. kind of like dwindled my chances right. of, of going, you know, big D1. But I wanted to keep playing, you know. Right. So I went to a smaller school, liberal arts school out in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Loved it. Um, played ball there. And... Um, basically fell in love with kinesiology and exercise science which basically is the study of the body in motion and mm -hmm. you know why the body does what it does mm -hmm. um partnered up with you know exercise science which is mm -hmm. basically you know training you know mm -hmm. at, at, at its bare bones and i get into a lot of you know crazy jargon it's training right, right. Uh, whether it's weight loss whether it's speed whether it's agility whether it's recovery it's it's a huge umbrella so you're you're a trainer but you have the the scientific biology yeah. background that goes into yeah, like i studied that in in, in college yeah. right Kinesiology and exercise sciences was my major. Um, so, so I got into to training because of my series of, of injuries. I had three ACL reconstructive surgeries, mm. not a spiral fracture of an ankle, and, and my, my whole life was kind of like a, a consistent rehabilitation. I, I, mm -hmm. I'd play a good year and then get hurt. All of a sudden, I'm out for a year. So it was always a constant rehab mm. for me. So that got me into, you know, okay, how, how can I get better? Mm -hmm. How can I prevent these injuries from happening? Mm -hmm. How can I get bigger, stronger, faster, so on and so forth? So I became obsessed with learning how to prevent these things. Did you, did you go through any type of depression, you know, a suffering injury? You know after what injury is funny, man? Because a lot of people want to hold on to that. Yeah. that being the player yeah you know what i mean but you were like you know what let me make this work for me and, and maybe be the trainer be the coach step behind the scenes and the first one i had i had no idea what an acl was when i first tore my acl I was a sophomore in high school it was like 2005 I, I had heard about it but i'm like all right torn acl cool i'm out like what two weeks three weeks mm -hmm. and he's like no man you got a doctor he's like no you gotta get surgery and it's like a six to eight month rehab and i was like damn all right well i'm only a sophomore i got two years left you know of high school you know i'll be fine so I actually got the surgery. And this is, man, this is like 17 years ago now. I got my first ACL surgery. So it's very different. Mm -hmm. You know, surgeries, there is either you get a patella tendon uh, repair, which they basically take your patella tendon out of your body, tie it up into a little rope, and create an ACL. Mm -hmm. um, or you could do a cadaver, 
which is a dead person's ligament. Right. So I didn't want to do that at first. You know what I'm saying? That's a little weird. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and then the third one, which is more cutting edge at that time, was a hamstring graft. So what they would do is they would take a piece of my own hamstring and same thing, kind of tie it in a knot and create an ACL. Right. So that, again, that was like cutting edge. The very first like a couple of years that the hamstring graft was kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So I got the surgery and it was supposed to be, you know, really, really, you know, a quick recovery, like six months, seven months. And I did great because I mean, I enjoyed working out. I enjoyed the rehab process. I, you know, I was an athlete. <laughs> so I came back in six months, got cleared and I went straight from physical therapy to play, mm. which to me, not, you know, looking now 15, 17 years ago, like, okay, that's what that was. But now today, that's not how it is. You cannot do that. It just doesn't work. That's how you, now you set in yourself up for a fit. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So I went from physical therapy, which is basically just doing step ups on a six inch box yes. with Peter over here. You know what yeah. I mean? Who's just writing down, okay, step ups were good today. Awesome. You're cleared. Go play football. Right. Like that's not it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I ended up re-tearing my ACL. I don't, it was, it was a hurricane, um, Wilma. Remember when mm-hmm. Wilma hit and there was Katrina and it was a yeah. crazy time. It was like 2007, Right. you know, it hit Houston bad. So we had a hurricane here mm-hmm. in Florida, which mm-hmm. everybody, you know, parties and has a great time, right? We mm-hmm. missed school for two weeks. And during that, that no school, I actually went out and played football with my boys in the, in the front yard mm-hmm. and slipped in a puddle and, and re-injured and re-tore my wow. ACL. So I was like six and a half months post-op. I'm playing in, front, in the front yard with my boys and I was just... <laughs> It was bad. Mm-hmm. So I knew it, you know. So the first hair, whatever it is what it is, when I retore it, I knew it happened. I felt my knee shift. I felt it happen. It got swollen. And I immediately was like, oh man, this is this is bad. Mm-hmm. You know, so thank God we had those two weeks though, because I had two weeks to kind of lay my leg up and ice it and get the swelling down because we had football games. Mm-hmm. You know, we still had to play. It was during the season. Wow. Like it was a, a dumb, you know, idea for me to go out there and play touch right. football with my boys in a, in a, in a hurricane, you know what right, I'm saying? Right, right. So two weeks later we come back and, um, I'm not playing as well, but my leg isn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but we still did our thing and you know, I, 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 I finished the season, finished wow. season with a torn ACL. And, um, so I actually went and got an MRI at the end of the year. I told my dad, I was like, pops, man, something's wrong. With my yeah. knee. Like I'm not, I'm not, you know, playing. We got to go get it checked out. So I went and got it checked out and the MRI came back as a, just a torn meniscus, which is like a little padding in between right, right. your knee. Okay. So I had a torn meniscus, right. you know, everything else was really kind of blurry, but doctor's like, no, it's cool. It's just a torn meniscus. And I'm like, oh man, thank God. This is amazing. Right. Mm-hmm. So they scheduled me for a surgery. And I went and got the surgery. And when the doctor went into my knee, <clears throat> excuse me, he uh, he had seen that the ACL, you know, the the new graft that he had done seven months ago was actually torn. Mm-hmm. So he's like, all right, well, I'm, I'm going to redo it since I'm in the knee here. I might as well just fix it up again. And we'll tell him when he wakes up. So he's unscrewing this titanium screw out of my femur and it breaks. And these things don't break. These things never break. I mean, it breaks off in my knee, of course. So now he can't redo the surgery, okay, because the hardware that he broke, he didn't have another one on hand because he wasn't prepared for another yeah. ACL. Yeah. So he sewed me up, woke me up, and he's like, hey, man, so we, we fixed the meniscus. It's looking great, but you have a torn ACL. And I'm thinking like, damn. And he's like, and I tried to fix it, but the titanium screw snapped. And I'm like, jeez. And my mom and dad are like, this is terrible, whatever, right? So... This is now, this is now, I think I, I ended up getting the surgery like maybe four months after football was over because mm-hmm. I wanted to play baseball. I actually played baseball with Tony ACL too. I wanted right. to keep playing sports, man. I love that shit. Yeah, right? yeah, so yeah. 
Baseball was over, I got the surgery, but now it was four months after the season, and I was like five months from the season. So I'm, in my mind, I'm like, you know what, man, I played like a whole football season with no yeah. ACL. Might good. as well try it again. Yeah. Right? So so I was like, you know, just sew me up. I'll just do what I did last yeah. year. And I strengthened my knee. In my entire senior year, I, I killed it. Mm-hmm. Had a great year with no ACL on my right knee. That's insane. Which was crazy, right? So, you know, again, that, that was when I started to become obsessed with, okay, what can I do? So, you know, you got to get your quad stronger. You got to get your hamstrings stronger. You got to make sure your VMO is big and strong, right? Make sure your hamstrings are stronger than your quad so that if you do decelerate, you know, your quad doesn't pull your femur over your tibia and create that torsion movement. You know what I mean? Right. So these are things that you, I was researching as a, you know, 17 year old kid, mm-hmm. you know, okay, how, how can I just get through this year without hurting my knee again? Right. Mm-hmm. So then I got through senior year and it was great, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then, and then after senior year football, I got into track and I was a long jumper in track. Ooh. So I jumped in a pit. I landed in the pit, hit a rock, knee shifted, boom. Jeez, bro. Knee was jacked up again. So, so then I went, I went and got the surgery. Mm-hmm. So I, I redshirted my freshman year of college. Um, and then after my freshman year of college, I, I was a redshirt sophomore, a uh, redshirt freshman, I apologize. And I played well. Everything was great. Got mm-hmm. into my redshirt sophomore year. And, re- and tore my left knee. So it's my third ACL now. Jeez, bro. This was more of like a Willis McGay heat type. Right. Like I got bent up and just somebody ran through my knee, hyperextended it. Mm-hmm. So that was more so like a wrong place, wrong time type deal. Mm-hmm. Tore my left knee, got the surgery, was great. You know what I mean? Uh, felt amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, uh, two years well. later, recovery, great. And man, it was my third go around. I knew mm-hmm. what I was doing. I didn't even need to go to PT. Yeah. You know, I, I'm good. I got this. You know, okay, flexion, extension, cool. Check it off the box. Great. Let's get the quad going. Let's get the VMO going. Let's get the hamstring strong. All right, awesome. We're not finally stable. So mm-hmm. let's working on some plyometrics, some landing mechanics. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew it. I knew what I was doing, right? Mm-hmm. So rehab that was great. And then senior year of college, caught a ball over the middle. I played receiver in college. Mm-hmm. Caught a ball over the middle and uh, spun off of a, a, a safety that was coming to hit me. And a trailing linebacker stepped on my foot. As I was spinning wow. and spiral fractured my right ankle, so I mean my entire Jeez. career was like littered with yeah. injuries. You know what I'm saying? So, and that was it. That was when I was like, "All right, I'm gonna hang it up, man. This is not my thing anymore. Playing football is not for me. My thing is, you know, helping others achieve their dream. You know, mm-hmm. getting to the next level. Whether it's you know starting from JV to varsity, or mm-hmm. you know getting a, a Division one scholarship, or uh, you know the pros. You know what I'm saying? Getting mm-hmm. the next level. That was kind of my thing, and it just you know it became. It became my, my, my niche, you know, like uh, understanding, you know, that, that you know, getting hurt, it, it's, it sucks mentally, mm-hmm. um, but you got to get through it. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, there's way more life than, than football or right. sports in general. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? There's so many more things you can do. Uh, you don't have to be a football player. You're not, you know, uh, your title is not football player or basketball player or baseball player. You know what I mean? I always say that all the time, bro. Yeah. It's best to have like identity diversification. 100%. So if one thing goes, you don't feel like you lost yourself. 100%. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So, so tell me how owning a gym starts, bro, for you, because, you know, that's a pretty big yeah. thing to, did, did you start, you know, independently working in other gyms or how did, how did, how does your career start in that? So I, um, so like my sophomore year when I, when I was a broadcast comm major, I came back after that first year of, of college, was mm-hmm. my freshman year. And, um, I was just working out of my local high school mm-hmm. at American Heritage and Plantation and inside the gym at that time, there was a guy in there and he was training the football team. We'd never had that. Like I said, remember, I went from PT to play. Like there mm-hmm. was no trainer that 
you right. know, did change of direction drills and agility drills and, you know, speed work. We never, they didn't have really that. conditioned the movements for like a, prof, like a real professional game. Setting. Exactly. Right. Exactly. There were, we, we just played football. You know right. what I mean? There was no guy that was going to take us to the next level. And the year that I had left heritage had hired somebody to do that. Mm-hmm. And his name's Mike Smith. He's actually still there at heritage. Him wow. and I are real close. We talk every single day. Wow. He's my boy, mm-hmm. you know, very, very close colleague of mine. And, um, he was in there training the football team and there was kids in there that were squatting wrong and i was just like kind of helping i was like hey man track your knees out make sure you sit your ass back so on and so forth mm-hmm. and he was like hey man i appreciate that you know i got a lot of guys in here he's like what are you studying i was like man I'm broadcast communications like i'm not that's what i do and he's like oh shit you should maybe look into changing it over to exercise science and i'm like man trainers really don't make no money that's crazy but mm-hmm. i'll look into it so then then he was actually training a bunch of pros uh during the mornings and then he trained the kids in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So he's like, hey, man, if you want, just help me out with this team, and I'll train you with my pros in the morning. So I was working out with Asante Samuel, Benny Sapp, Channing Crowder. And are you getting – it's like an internship at this point? Kind getting, of. It was almost like a barter. Like, wow. I'm going to help you train these kids, and you're just going to train me for free. So he's your mentor, basically. Exactly. And that, 100%. And, and I tell everyone, that's like the most important thing, to 100%. find a mentor that you could – you know, especially 100%. if they're high in their field and they're, you're, you're brushing shoulders with yep. you know, professional athletes. That's crazy. Yeah, man, he was the man. And he is very selfless. Um, like I, I would, I would put together and write my own workouts and I'd say, Hey Mike, what do you look What do you think about this? And he'd be like, Oh, this is cool. I like this, but maybe you should switch this up. And it was just kind of like, you know, like trial and error for me, but I had somebody there to kind of look, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So then I went back to school after training with him for an entire summer, changed my major over and that was it. Mm-hmm. So then I came back again for the next summer and he was working for this company called Athletes Edge. And the owner mm-hmm. was Jeff Sanders and Don Iceman, these two, two, uh, you know, trainers in the area. Mm-hmm. And, um, they were like, hey, man, you know, you did a great job last year with Mike. Let's, let's just bring you on board. So I got mm-hmm. my first training gig, and I was like 20 years old, mm-hmm. you know, and I was just training Archbishop McCarthy's entire football team. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, mm-hmm. but I was out there. I was energetic. Yeah. You know, I'd see some drills that I'd seen earlier in the day or whatever, right. and I was just putting it to play. So, you know what I'm saying? So what happens when, like, you know, someone who wants to be a trainer and do what you do, they go on YouTube and they look at drills and things of that nature. What did school and getting your, your degree in exercise science, what did that add to it? Because now, you know, like, how yeah. does that help you in what you do? Agreed. So, you know, I'm not the kind of guy that's just going to sit there and regurgitate big words. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm not going to be like, okay, so when you're doing a pull-up, you make sure you're, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're lat, your latissimus dorsi is this. I'm like that guy. I'm not mm-hmm. going to spew knowledge to you. But it is very, very you know, important to understand how the body moves, mm-hmm. um, why the body moves a certain way, where certain muscles insert, where their origin is, just because you want to train muscles to do with their job, right? Right. So, you know, let's just say that my chest muscles, um, or, or let's just say my bicep is a flexor, okay, not an extender, so I'm flexing my bicep forward. So what I'm doing is I'm increasing or decreasing the range of motion of this joint, mm-hmm. okay, Sorry, man. My phone's ringing. No, you're good, bro. No worries. No worries, bro. So anyways, yeah. So so, so understanding what a muscle's job is supposed to do is a, a very, very solid tool for any trainer because they, they know, or let's say I need to increase the speed of some guy, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Let's just say you want to come and you want to work on your 40-yard dash, okay? Mm-hmm. There's certain muscles that we need to attack to to increase in order to do so, correct? Mm-hmm. So going to school is important. You know, um, getting certifications is important. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, what I think is the most important is... Man, no, you're good, bro. Girl. Don't even worry. What's most important is experience, you know, mm-hmm. and and watching movements and creating move, uh, drills that can do those movements 
inside of the drill so that the guy can move better you know what i mean mm. so it's just it's just really getting thrown in the fire man and that's gotcha. what happened to me you know school was great i learned a lot in school mm -hmm. um but but honestly getting thrown in the fire and say hey man you got the 35 kids out here you know they got speed today i'll see you in an hour and my mm. my boss left and he just put a couple bands on the ground yeah you know what i mean um, so that was kind of experience was the better teacher than college, but I'm not right. knocking college. Right, you right, know what right, I mean? You, you right. need to have a, a base foundation of knowledge. It helps you with discipline. 100%. It helps you with other things. You know what I mean? Like 100%, man. So that, that's, that's my take on, on what I learned in school compared to what I learned in the field. Cool. You know what I mean? Got you. So then, you know, I'm out here as a, a, a sophomore in college training all these kids mm -hmm. and um, I'm making a couple bucks here because I'm like kind of like a paid intern. Mm -hmm. You know, fast forward two years, I graduate college. They had it all planned out. Nick, you're going to go and train this place and Mike, you're going to be over at this place. And they kind of split me and Mike up, you know, my mentor. Mm -hmm. He mm -hmm. was he was in Boca and I went to Miami. So mm -hmm. we, at St. Thomas University, in Miami, uh, the company Athletes Edge rented space out of their facility or kind of bartered if you may again like we trained all of their teams in order to use their space to train our pros mm. so so instead of paying an overhead we just paid them through a service yeah, just you know what i'm them. saying yeah. so i was out there and i was training you know from six in the morning to seven o'clock at night whether it's girl soccer men's soccer baseball softball whatever it was mm -hmm. i was the head guy out there you know, I was young. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really kind of how I got in, you know, my foot in the door with training. And that's where I built up a, a, a credibility for myself mm -hmm. because it was in Miami Gardens. And when any kind of downtime that I had, I would take my ass over to Betty T. Ferguson, mm -hmm. which is shit. I think it's like 199th, I think, mm -hmm. you know, right near the stadium. Mm -hmm. And I would train kids for free just to kind of wow. get more experience. Right. You know, I'm 22 years old at this point. This is 10 years ago. Right. I had a solid foundation of knowledge, but you know, I didn't really have a, uh, a, a you know, uh, I guess you could say, um, a clientele to really put it to use. Right. You know, I was just training, you know, certain teams and kind of doing my job and really wanted to kind of, you know, expand my creativity and become a better trainer. I went out there and I started training kids for, you know, $0 legit. And, uh, you know, one day it was three, then it was 10, then it was 15. And I got like a whole operation out there, man. I go out there, you know, every night and train mm -hmm. these kids. And, um, you know, these kids are very appreciative and they're like, Hey man, you know, how can we help you? How can we pay you back? We don't have any money. And I was like, go find some kids that do have money mm -hmm. and invite them. Mm -hmm. Tell them it's 10 bucks. You know, mm -hmm. so then all of a sudden now it's 25 kids out there and 10 of them are paying. Mm -hmm. and shit, I'm making a hundred dollars an hour. I, that's a lot of money for me at this time. Right. And that's where it kind of built up. And I kind of like built this little, you know, presence, you know, mm -hmm. you know, you know, the white boy trainer over out at, at Betty T, man, Gardens, he'll get yeah. you right. Go, 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 go train with him. He'll get you right. So on and so forth. Right. So from there, I kind of started building this clientele. Right. Mm. Now, this is where Elevate comes into play. Because I, I want to be clear yeah. for the people listening. Elevate, really, that's how I heard about you. And, and, it, and it made its name culturally in the city because yeah. I was all, I was seeing everybody. Yeah. You know, high profile people, models, athletes, you know, just reposting Elevate, Elevate. They were excited to rep the brand. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So Elevate starts. So, yeah. So Elevate, it's one of my one of my high school friends, Mike Rafferty, um, was mm -hmm. one of my clients. I was training him and like three of his boys. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I trained them at noon and all of a sudden they leave and my pro guys are coming. Like Lito Shepard walked through the door and, mm -hmm. and these guys like, oh, shit, that's. Channing Crowder, oh, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. He's like, you train those guys? I'm like, yeah. So it got my boy. And this is this is the beginnings of you starting to have professional clientele? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I remember I had trained with them before, and right. I had, you know, I I had been in sessions with Javon Curse, the mm -hmm. freak. 
You know, wow. I, mean, I, I had held bands over him, and I'd been around it. Mm-hmm. I had trained Rashad Evans before the MMA fighter. Again, mm-hmm. I'd been around it, you know, mm-hmm. so I wasn't like the head guy in charge. Mm-hmm. But I was, you know, hey, Nick, you're doing speed with them today. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're doing agility with them today. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So my boys would leave, and then they would they would come in, and they'd see them. They'd brush shoulders, and I was like, oh, shoot, no, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. So so my, my friend Mike at the time was like, he's like, hey, man, you got a good thing going on here. Did you ever think about opening up your own gym? And I was like, of course, man, but I don't have any bread. And he's like, all right, well, let's talk next week. So then we talked next week. We literally met at Chipotle off of like Sheridan in 95. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, man, I talked to my grandpa. I got 50K. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. And I swear to God, like it was just a quick handshake. Let's let's get going, right? So mm-hmm. we ended up finding a space. He had a plug with a space. And uh, we built this gym, you know, and, and it was really, really good. We had, a, we had a great run, you know, for him and me, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, Elevate's still around. They still do a great job. Right. So... You know, we built this gym. It was about two years into the gym, and we had a disagreement on where the future of the gym was. You mm-hmm. know, he wanted more of a, um, you know, like small small group fitness style where we had, you know, a, a, every hour in the hour was a class, like more of like an Orange Theory type thing. And that's not mm-hmm. my passion. That's not what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be more of a sports performance coach. That was my job. That was my dream. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? So him and I decided to go our separate ways. And that's a whole lot longer story than that, but mm-hmm. that's that's what happened. Right, you know, right. Mike and I are still boys, it's all mm-hmm. good. It's just, you know, business didn't work out that way. Right. So I gave him Elevate. I gave him the Instagram at like 10,000 followers, like all these clientele. And to me, it was like, you know what? If I'm gonna do this, I'm just gonna give him everything mm-hmm. and start fresh. Mm. You know, I wasn't really in love with the Elevate name and the, and the mm-hmm. logo. And to me, it was like more so like a great jump start for me. Mm-hmm. So I remember laying in bed one night, bro, and I'm sitting here thinking about, okay, what's my next thing to be? And I went over like 50 different names and they're not good names. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it's, it just hit me, perform. And mm-hmm. I'm like, hold on, perform? Maybe I could throw a four in there. Oh, I got to get up. So I got out the bed and I got out a piece of paper and I drew it. And it was a P-E-R number four O-R-M. I'm like, yo, mm-hmm. aesthetically, that looks great. Mm-hmm. You know. It flows easily. It flows easily. People know it. And, and I drew it. I drew it exactly how I wanted it. And I was like, the four. It was a four stand for it. Immediately, I was like, speed, strength, agility, and endurance. Mm-hmm. Like, those are the four pillars of training that we, we right. build our, our, our program on. Speed. Strength, agility, and endurance. Right. So when I called my my graphic designer guy the next day, and I said, "Look, this is what I want. Just make this into you know a JPEG, a PNG. Just drop something up. Get me something. You know." And I think we did like maybe one correction on it, and that was it. Wow. And then I showed because at the time, remember, I I had left Elevate, but Mm -hmm. there was three or four trainers at Elevate that wanted to come with me. So Mm -hmm. I showed them. They're like, "Yo, that's it." You got all that experience from running a gym. Like, what type of things did you learn? Man, in, 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 a lot. Because now you learn the business part, the logistics Shoot. of it. So that was my problem at Elevate. I didn't really care too much about the business. Mm. I was a trainer, you know. Like, I'm gonna. You just bring people in the doors. I bring people in the doors. I'll train them. You collect the money. You make sure you're in charge of that. And mm-hmm. not being, not being in, in, you know, involved with that was probably one of my biggest downfalls. As a business owner, at first, right, and and this I think that this, this happens in every business because it happens with me. I'm more yeah. into the product, and yeah. then you have people, you know, like my brother right here, Ryan Mechanic, who who's into the logistics, and, yeah. and so it's a constant tug of war of yeah. of you know differences of opinion and 100. So yeah, I just to me, I mean, I was, I was 23 years old when we first opened up Elevate. I was like, I'm training right now. I'm training everybody. Mm-hmm. I'll train whoever it is. I don't care. I work 14 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna do it. You know what I mean? Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, you just handle your job. I'll mm-hmm. do my job. You do yours. Mm-hmm. You know, the bank account was starting to build and we we're doing it. And I was like, all right, cool. The job is done. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but then looking back, you know, I just I wasn't very aware of really what was going on behind the scenes as a business owner and what goes into it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, okay, cool. What do we have? An LLC is an S corp. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, we got a business, man. Yeah, you just my bank account is growing, and you know good. what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't know what kind of business we have. I don't know. You know, do, do distributions or a salary, and I was like, I don't know, I just get a paycheck. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I, just, I write myself a check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, bro, I didn't file my taxes since 2018. Yeah. You know, two years ago. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, I, were, well, I'm sorry. 2018 was when I filed all my taxes for Elevate. Mm. I didn't file any taxes, man. Wow. We filed as a business, but personally, I didn't because I didn't know. Yeah. I really didn't know. I was like, okay, hold on, the business taxes are done. My personal one's got to be done. No, Damn, Nick. IRS no, came Nick. knocking on your door. No, bro. they didn't because because I had a lot of things still in place and, and they were all listen, the IRS is looking at big fish. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? At that point in time, when I was making money elevate, we had for my first year at Elevate, I made fourteen thousand dollars the right. whole year. Right. All of my employees got paid. Right. All the bills got paid. Right. Nick got paid whenever he could get paid. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So the IRS ain't gonna come after a guy that made 14k. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, in yeah. a year. So and th- those were the times in which I didn't pay. I don't like fuck. Yeah. What yeah, are you gonna yeah. take? I ain't got no money. Yeah. I have no bread. So yeah. what are you gonna take? You yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so yeah. So just understanding that that there's so much more that goes behind business mm-hmm. was something that I learned or learned that I needed to learn with perform. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I, I went on somebiz.org and I got my whole LLC and I hit up my accountant and I got a real, I got a, uh, an entire operating agreement draft from my business partner, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Did everything, you know? Um, but then get back to Zach Cardone, who's my business partner and perform now. Mm-hmm. Him and I, you know, we're, we're real close. Got really close at St. Thomas University, Miami mm-hmm. Gardens. I was a training coach there. I mm-hmm. brought him on at Elevate. Like I said, nobody made much money in the first couple of years because we're building it. Mm-hmm. And he still stuck around. He was living in the Grove. Mm-hmm. He was working at Green Street, bartending every single night, and wow. then coming straight from Green Street, no sleep, training all day, grinding. Wow. And he was just, he was the man. Like, he, he was... He was the, the thing that kept everything moving, mm-hmm. um, you know, at Elevate, mm-hmm. really, because like, you know, relationships kind of got a little bit strained and with me and Mike and other people like that. So it was just kind of like he just kept things moving. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he realized that I was leaving Elevate um, and I was opening up Perform, he was like, hey, man, best of luck, bro. I just I don't think being a trainer is really going to be, you know, mm-hmm. in my cards. And I was like, well, that's good, bro, because you're going to be a business partner. Yeah. Like, we're going to do this together. Like, hey, congratulations. You're not not a trainer no more. You're a business owner. Yeah. And he was like, yo, are you serious? Are you serious, bro? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, fuck it. Let's go. And that was it. And shoot, I mean, two months after that, we got into place. Little small, um, like less than, man, I'd say it was probably like 1,800 square foot facility. Little guy. Wow. Little guy, bro, mm-hmm. with two racks in there, a dumbbell rack, a 20-yard piece of turf that was three yards wide, and we trained everybody. Wow. Everybody. And it was busy. And then two years later, we got into a 5,000-square-foot facility. So now we're in a 5,000-square-foot facility, and we really built it. Wow. You, know? you said you went from 1,000? Like 1,800, man. 1,800. It was really 1,500 square square foot of actual gym space, mm-hmm. little baby office. Wow. And, I mean, we blew the walls out because we were so busy, so packed. Wow. I mean, we'd get 60 guys and, you know, football players, big guys in there training. Right. You know, every hour on the hour in the summers, during, you know, when, when we're busy. That's incredible. Um, so, yeah, man, it was it was great. And then, shoot, we got into our, our 5,000 square foot facility about two and a half years ago now. And I mean, it's really exploded since then, wow. you know, and um, I mean, we've we've trained a lot of big name guys, you know, I was um, going to say you currently train, you know, professional football players, professional athletes. Yep. Can, can you name some of some of them right now? Yeah. So, I mean, Dalvin Cook, who's uh, to be honest, man, I, I, I literally call it the Dalvin Cook, you know, um, 
it, it's it's like the Dalvin Cook effect almost. Mm -hmm. um, so Dalvin's agent is an agent of an athlete. Can you speak to the average person listening who Dalvin Cook is? If you yeah, so Dalvin Cook is the best NFL running back right okay. now. Hands down. I mean, okay. he's yeah. the best He's the best back in the NFL right now, hands down. Um, he went to Florida State, uh, and he's number 33 for the Minnesota Vikings. Okay. He's he's the man. The man yeah. Not only an amazing football player, but an amazing person, mm -hmm. um, hands down. I mean, just one of the most genuine guys you'd ever meet, mm -hmm. um, and he's a mentor. You know, we got we bring these young guys out there. Dalvin's talking to them. Dalvin wow. is, is mentoring them. Hey, That's man, big, bro. That's dope. He's an amazing guy. He's an amazing dude. Um, but his agent represented uh, a running back that I'd been working with since he was in the eighth grade, Jordan Scarlett. So his agent basically, you know, didn't know who we were, but knew that we trained Jordan. And Jordan went to Indy and ran a low 4-4 in Indy when he didn't think Jordan would run that fast. And he was like, yo, who are you guys? You know, like, what are y'all doing over there? So then a year later, um, he brought me J.K. Dobbins, who's mm -hmm. a running back for the Ravens right now, um, all-time leading rusher at Ohio State, absolute stud, mm -hmm. an amazing athlete, also an amazing guy, um, brought me J.K. And then I started to train J.K. And then Dalvin's like, dude, I see my, my two you know little brothers who are in the same agency as me training at this place. I got to go see what it's all about. Wow. So Dalvin came over last year, worked with us for two months before you know the season, and had the best season of his career. And 1700 yards i mean any he only played 14 games 13 games really wow yeah because one one he, he left it at first quarter he had a little groin issue but i think it just scared him but he was fine yeah yeah so he had an amazing uh year last year and i'm not gonna say it was my fault right i would never do that i'm, I'm not taking credit for these guys i feel very lucky and privileged that dalvin wants to train with me mm -hmm. you know what i mean so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna do everything in my power to get his game up one percent better you know wow. what I mean? I don't like trainers that sit there and say, I made him, I made that. That's not it. So the, so with these top tier guys that are already, you know, number one in their field, yeah. like what, what, do you, what do you do to help them? What type of things do you draw up? Like where's your mind state at training the best running back in the league? Like, So what I told Dalvin last year was, look, man, I've been watching you play forever. I'm a, I'm a Seminole fan. Mm -hmm. You know, I know, I know your game. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? X, Y, and Z is what we need to work on. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If you trust me, and you buy into it, I guarantee you we'll get better at it. Mm. And we did. So and then, what are some of the things that, so, that you wanted to work on? So he needed to get stronger. Mm -hmm. He needed to get stronger. Um, he he has some soft tissue issues again. So strength wise, hamstring and groin issues kind of lingered throughout his entire career. Mm -hmm. So just getting him stronger so that he could finish the season was high on the list. You know what I mean? Because again, you're NFL running back. He's getting 35 touches a game because mm -hmm. he is the 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 heart and soul of the Vikings. Right. So that's just one of the things. Um, other stuff is just adding tools to the tool bag, man. Different kind of cuts, different kind of like a jump cut, a sweep cut, a skinny cut, so on and so forth, man. Just mm. adding more moves. Mechanics too. Exactly. Um, but but for Dalvin, man, it was just kind of getting his body ready for the longevity of a season. Gotcha. You know, and then for this year, you know, we got, got Devin Singletary, who's the, the running back for the Bills. Mm -hmm. He came in. And um, the reason he's there is because J.K. and Dalvin had an amazing year last year. So that's why I say it's the Dalvin Cook effect, the J.K. effect. You know what I mean? These guys see Dalvin and J.K. both, you know, take the league, you know, by storm last year. So like, hey, man, <laughs> what, hey, are you, what are you doing? In the I got to get down there with you, man. I got to yeah. get down there, you know. So and I remember, you know, earlier in, in this offseason here, we were doing some drills and and for running back specific stuff. And I was talking to Devin Singletary. Mm -hmm. I was like, look, man, there's a couple things that I think. That we can get better at and mm -hmm. if you trust me okay great it's gonna work i promise you and dalvin literally he's like devin listen because he literally said the same thing to me last year and, and we worked on a couple things man and i bought into it and here we are 
Wow. Because I study the tape, man. I watch football. You know, right, when I right. do watch football, I'm not just watching the game. I'm watching movements. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So if I think that your, your your jump cut is too lateral and you're not getting north and south, one thing, one thing that Dalvin does better than anybody else in the NFL is that he does just enough to get by you. Mm-hmm. So, so for example, a jump cut, right? My, my whole goal in a jump cut is to approach your frame, jump outside of your frame, then get directly north, right? Mm-hmm. Dalvin just jumps just outside so that both of our shoulders will brush and he's going to blow by you with speed, which is mm-hmm. why he leads the NFL every single year in, in broken tackles. Right. Because you're just, you're trying to get him. He's right there, but you can't. Right. You know, then you got other guys who jump cut with all their might, get three yards outside of your frame, but forget, shit, I got to go back that way. Exactly. And that was one of Devin's things that, that we're working on right now. And Dalvin's like, look, man, trust me, he, he, this dude watches your shit. Mm-hmm. Like, and is he right? And Devin's like, shit, he is. Yeah, that's exactly what I need to work on. Wow. You know, so that's kind of, you know, where, you know, the training comes into play. You know, where we, we do things differently. We really make it individualized. Other places are like, oh, well, you're running back. Great. You're going to go on this drill and you do this running back drill and you're right. going to go home. You know, right. Me, I'm breaking things down for certain guys. Wow. You man. know what I mean? We, we make it more specific to you. Wow, and just because you know we're in South Florida, we got to talk about Tua, right? Yeah, you, you, yep. you're you're helping Tua out right now. Yep. How, how do you feel about his progression? Are you a Dolphin fan? I am a Dolphin fan. Okay, so yeah. you, you have some uh, some more invested interest in this. Yeah. You know? So so I mean, Tua is number one. He's an amazing person. Mm-hmm. I've never met anybody like him, mm-hmm. and I, I can't even sit here and begin to explain to you the reasons why because we don't we don't have all day, right. and it's hard to put into words. Mm-hmm. Like if you were to meet Tua, or if you were to meet Tua, man, you would just be like, "Wow, this is something energy, about this something kid. you feel." It's something about this kid. Mm-hmm. He's an amazing, amazing kid, and he's an insanely hard worker. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he it, he is all gas, no breaks. I show up to his house every single morning, super early. We put in work. There's a little break, then he meets me at the field, and we work some more. And that's it. And after that, he goes home, he watches film. He is, he is on a mission. Damn, bro, I'm, you kind of have a little bit of pressure because, like, we've had, like, the quarterback curse for so yeah. long. And it's yeah. like, you know, there's some there's some hope in this yeah. kid, you know? Yeah, he's different, man. He's different. Um, what are some things, you know, you're working on with him? So, I'm, I'm actually not allowed to talk too much about Tua because we have a specific... I guess you could say, you know, ideology of what this offseason is going to be. Because there's so much doubt. There's so much, hey, man, what's he doing? Is he going to be all right? We want to keep things under wraps. Okay. You know, and I, I can talk a little bit, but not too much. Okay, so um, whatever you can but do. But strength, you know? strength-wise for him and, and, and just confidence, man. I mean, that's, that's, that's really it. Um, you got to th- you got to understand where he's coming from, mm-hmm. and, and as, as a professional athlete. So mm-hmm. let's rewind the tape. Let's look at this. So. He goes from playing a season, mm-hmm. okay, and then towards the end of that season suffers an injury that, number one, anybody in this room here would probably never be able to run again if it happened to us. Mm. We, one of us probably would have lost our leg because of that's how bad it was. He had a, a femur shoot through the back wall of his hip, mm-hmm. and he had some internal bleeding, and it was pretty bad, right? So he got that. People didn't think he'd ever play again. Mm-hmm. So he's blowing rehab out of the water, okay? But then you go right from rehab to a pro day. So at, his, at pro day, this is, you know, maybe three months, four months after, um, you know, when he's actually really starting to move again. So it's not like he had, he's had, you know, a year of actually training. Mm-hmm. He goes to a pro day and he does very well. It's still not 100%. Then you go from pro day right into the draft. Mm-hmm. You get drafted. Okay, and then in a traditional year, you go to rookie mini camp. Mm-hmm. Okay, then you go to regular mini camp. Then you have a preseason. Mm-hmm. Right, he had nothing, none of that. Right, there was no rookie mini camp. There was no mini camp. There was no preseason. Okay, 
And and he he never he's a guy who's never really trained too much. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He works out with the team. He does what he's supposed to do, but he's never really had a, a full year to actually train and get better. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, you look at what happened to him in the past year and a half and how he went out there and actually had pretty good rookie numbers compared to most rookies. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Peyton Manning's rookie year, terrible. Look at Josh Allen's rookie year, terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, but he bounced back. Mm-hmm. So it's just like you said, the quarterback curse in Miami, we're never going to have one. We've always been unhappy. We've never been lucky. Mm-hmm. A healthy Tua is a confident Tua and mm-hmm. a confident Tua is a Super Bowl contender. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed. Wow, calling it, and I so, love, how and he, that's our goal, man, to make him healthy, and and we're doing a damn good job at that right now. Dope, bro, and I love talking football. Um, you know, with people from this city, I always like to ask the question because you know, South Florida, we breed football players. Yep. You know, yep. what do you, what do you think it is about South Florida that just breeds, you know, this football town? So the one thing that I think it is is we can play football year round. You know, if you go to oh. the Midwest, you go to the Northeast, it's cold. Or like you played in Chicago, yeah. bro. How is that for you, bro? Because I can't do the cold, bro. I'm a tropical white boy. Yeah, I tell dude, people all same, the time. Like, same. I'm from South Florida. You put me in 50-degree weather, and it's panic mode for me. Same, I'm sniffling man. and shit. Like, <laughs> so <laughs> it's funny, man. The The cold sucks, mm-hmm. but being like vacation in the cold is cool. Like, I love snowboarding. I'll mm-hmm. Take me to Colorado. Take me to Utah. I'll freeze. Mm-hmm. But living in the cold is different because you got to prepare every single day, right? You got to put mm-hmm. seven layers of clothing on you got to make sure you got boots you got to hope and pray your driveway isn't four inches of snow like it sucks and you're kind of inside a lot it's, too which is not which is why best. which is why football players in florida are better because they right. play year round right all they do is play football okay and if you're a they're in lakeland chasing rabbits for fun and that's shit, it man. that's it that's pahokee yeah. yes that's bell yeah, 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 man yeah. that's that's the muck the tri muck county out there man that they're lighting sugar cane on on fire and, and chasing you know cottontails yeah and that's a legitimate thing yeah that's that's not like you know folklore man that happens right um but but the fact that we can play year-round is, is is the key um mm-hmm. these guys from the midwest these guys from the northeast you know, they all play multiple sports. They play football, they play basketball, and they play baseball. You know what I mean? Just because that's kind of what happens. Like, you're stuck inside. Mm-hmm. You're going to be in a gym. You're not going to play football on hardwood. You're going to yeah. shoot baskets. Right. You know what I'm saying? And then in the fall, when it gets a little bit chill, you're going to pick up a bat. And you're going to play. You're going to play. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that, that's what's going to happen. Um, in, in Florida, no, man. We, football's year-round. Yeah. Football's year-round. So that, that's the main reason. And then the other, weather, you would say, just the weather, man. We have an advantage. We have an advantage there. That's why those dudes are big. They yeah. sit in the house and they just eat. Yeah, like the cornbread-fed dudes from Iowa. Those yeah. are the offensive <laughs> the line. Those are the guys in the league. You know, they just—they're <laughs> huge. They sit around and eat and lift weights. Yeah, we we run. Wow, we man. run, 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 man. How do you feel about you know since you're 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 training these professional athletes? How do you feel about just? You're behind the scenes working on them, but you have like all this critique from like ESPN and like the analysts oh, from yeah. How do you, I don't get into that, man. You know, people talk about this. Well, I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, when they're they're glorifying it, like Dalvin Cook's amazing. He's so fast. He's so strong. This and that. It's amazing. I love it. Mm-hmm. But again, I didn't do that. Right. That's 25 years of of Dalvin Cook being Dalvin Cook. Right. I'm just lucky enough to be on board helping him take it to the next level. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You need one of the guys like have you ever heard like if you notice his vertical cut right here, yeah, it's 100. percent He's going more north quicker now, and it's yeah. like, oh shit, I did that. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Not, yes and no. Again, right. you know, it, it feels good, mm-hmm. and and obviously I get praise from my friends that know, and then and then I mean, J.K. for example, J.K. had an amazing year, and J.K. reached out to me and was like, bro. 
you you and I need to get back together again this offseason because I did this because of the work we put in. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Right. And I love that. You know, that that means more to me than anybody else saying, oh, shit, you trained Dalvin. You did. Well, you know what right. I mean? But um, but then on the flip side of it, too, like if a guy plays bad, that's also not my fault. Right. You that's know what true. I mean? That's true. That's really not my fault. He drops a pass, a game winning touchdown pass. That's not because of my training. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to tell you that right now. Yeah. So it's it's both sides of the coin, you know, just because he caught the game winning pass and just because he dropped the game winning pass. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the athlete, man. That's, again, a, a culmination of 25 years of their life mm-hmm. catching that football. Mm-hmm. It's not me. Now, yes, we can do things to, to you know, put put it put them at, at an advantage, mm-hmm. you know, and help them catch that ball. Mm-hmm. You know, we could do drills where they're, you know, catching the ball over the shoulder with yeah. one eye closed, stuff like that. You know what I mean? I can go on and on for days all about drills, but... You know, at the end of the day, you got to keep that in perspective. Um, but you know, it is fun. It's fun to watch because, like, the, the, not just my clients. This is my boys. Like, yeah. we become friends, brothers, if you may. You know what I mean? So right. we talk before games, after games, during season. You know, we talk a lot. So going out there and watching them dominate is awesome. It's like watching my younger brother go ball. Right. After, you know, I, I whooped his ass in the front dog. yard for so many yeah. years, pulling that dog out of him. You know what I'm On saying? TV. So, you know, it's cool. It's really, really cool. And that that's, that's cool. more so... You know where I get the the satisfaction from, right? What so? What are your future aspirations? Do you see yourself just kind of running your own gym, staying independent, or maybe working for an NFL team? Do you see that in the future? No, man. I that's the thing, man. I I love what I do for multiple reasons. Number one, there's freedom. I can I can train who I want, when I want, where I want, how I want. I can also go on a vacation whenever I want. I have seven trainers on staff. Well, I'm the, there's six trainers on I staff. I say that about, you know, when I had to work at Power 96 and yeah. I'm independent in the clubs, I can make my yeah. own schedule. I don't have to 100%. deal with it, you know, freedom. 100%, man. And I can do whatever I want. If mm-hmm. I work for the Dolphins, they've got me forever. Mm-hmm. 365, the, every day of the week, mm-hmm. you're here, you're here, you're you here. You got a boss, yeah. If I was at the Hurricanes and I was a strength coach for Hurricanes, I'm screwed, man. That's, yeah. that's a lifetime job. You know, so on and so forth. To me, you're an I, what employee I, at the end of the day. Exactly. What I do is is I'm in charge of my schedule, mm-hmm. and um, I like to teach. Like I really like to mentor and teach. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know whether every single one of my trainers on my staff was an intern mm-hmm. and or former client of mine. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no one that I just saw at the park and said, "Hey, yo, you got a job." You know, mm-hmm. you know they understand the culture, they understand what we're building here because they went through it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And they understand my coaching style and they understand the knowledge that that we have and and that's that to me is is maybe you know where I see myself you know creating some sort of certification and or entry level you know coaches uh, degree if you gotcha. may. Um, when I'm old and I can't move and run and shake and, and jump and do all this kind of stuff. And, and you know, you like to teach, but you clearly like to make cookies, too. Like I on the do. Side. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so. You're, you run a cookie business, for the people that don't know, which is like a side hustle of yours, correct? Yeah, 100%. Um, I got lucky with that as well, man. My One of my best friends, he was my roommate. Is that remember what I was telling you? I made 14 grand in the whole year at Elevate. So he was, an, he was a client at Elevate, and he had a room open, and I was literally paying peanuts mm-hmm. to just live in there. Mm-hmm. So it became friends. And he would smoke a shit ton of weed mm-hmm. and I would bake cookies. Mm-hmm. You know, I literally get like tubs of cookie dough and I'd scoop it and mm-hmm. I would just put like a Kit Kat bar in the middle of it mm-hmm. and I'd bake it and he'd be like, yo, dude, these are the best cookies I've ever just had in my life. With him. And he's like, yo, these are these are off the chain. We gotta open up a cookie shop. Were you making edibles? No, oh, no, that's... man. He, he was already lit. So yeah, yeah. but um but anyway, so yeah, that, that was how it started. He was like, hey man, we gotta open up a cookie shop. Mm-hmm. Five years later, 
I'm already in perform. I'm past elevated. I'm at perform. We're doing a great job. He calls me. He had moved back home. He's from San Francisco, mm-hmm. and he had, he had got he had lost his job um, in tech company in San Francisco. I was like, hey man, just lost my job. Thinking about moving back down to South Florida. I'm like, damn, that sucks. But that's dope. You know, mm-hmm. come back here, man. You know, figure out what you're gonna do. He's like, oh, I already know what I'm gonna do. And I was like, what's that? And he goes, I'm opening up that cookie shop we talked about, and you're doing it with me. And I'm oh, like, wow. all right, let's go. Yeah. So the reason that we did this is because. We've eaten really bad cookies before right. that have sold to large corporations for hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. So there's one company called um, Insomnia Cookie. Mm-hmm. And I know they, them. Yeah. yeah. Shit, they're everywhere. They're, yeah. they're everywhere. They've done an amazing job, but it's not a great cookie. And look, Insomnia, don't come at me. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not slandering throw you. Throw like a scoop of ice cream on top of that shit and charge it's, you like $10. It's yeah. It's, it, you know, it's... it's it's all right, you know what I mean? But they sold to Krispy Kreme for $500 million. A half a billion dollars. What? So we're like, man, shoot, if they can do this, why can't we? we yeah. On a small scale, we can sell it for $10 million, Yeah. right? So, man, we literally talked on the phone. The next day, I went and looked at three spots in Fort Lauderdale. Mm. One of the three spots that I looked at, we were like, this is it. And I was like, all right, cool. You got to fly your ass down here and check it out. We got to like get this moving. Yeah. So we did. So we came and we we went to dinner, man. We're, we're figuring out what do we? We had no name, we had no logo, we had no chef. I wasn't baking cookies, bro. That ain't gonna be me. I'm training people. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how to make a damn cookie. I just it was doing a break. Damn, I wanted to ask you, what's the craziest cookie you've ever made? Like experimented with? So, Did you like? So me again, not my forte. Yeah. A, a, a stone dude that yeah. that has eaten scooped, you know, whatever. You're yeah. 25 years old. He loved it, right? So we had a hundred different names, man. We actually going to call it a uh, cream cookies rule everything around me. Mm-hmm. That was going to be the thing already taken. Like, damn, we wanted like a hip hop theme and yeah. you know, like a dope little thing. Yeah. My friend has that, an ice cream shop called Mr. Cream. Yeah. That so, whole shit, yeah. The, you know, it was, the, every, every name that we ever thought of was already taken and it was like, ah, whatever. So we came up with batch batch, the cookie company. Mm-hmm. And we kind of drew it up on paper. I hit up the same guy that made my perform logo. I said, yo, make this boom we had a logo we had a name cool now we're like shit who's gonna make these cookies right Mm -hmm. so adam my business partner um with the shop went on linkedin emailed 10 chefs only one chef emailed us back Mm -hmm. and he was the creme de la creme chef that we wanted like shot in the dark like there's no way this guy first option yeah yeah there's no way this guy is gonna is gonna respond right boom emails us back and he's like I'm very interested in this. Let's let's meet up and talk. And his name is Chef Max Santiago. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the basically the brainchild behind um, the salty donut in Wynwood. Okay. And um, he has opened up multiple different donut shops. He's the donut king in Miami. He was like mm-hmm. the guy. If you want a donut, Max Santiago made it. Wow. Um, he had a falling out with his business partners at the salty. Okay. And there was a two-year non-compete where he couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And then literally. The day we met was like March one. That was like the day his non compete ended. Wow! So he's like, I'm, he's like, I'm free, dude. I'm yeah. free. What do you guys want to do? Tell me about this cookie thing, so on and so forth. So we pitched it to him, and he was like, I'm in. Wow! And that was it. And this is a week after me and Adam talking about a cookie shop. Right. It's like happened that quick. Yeah. So we got we got in the, the lab. Literally, we got in the, the you know the bakery. He, there was a uh, like commercial kitchen we were allowed to use to just practice cookies. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the cookies, the original cookies that were on our first menu, 
they're not even there anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like they're not even close to what we have now. Right. We had, but we, we wanted to move fast and we wanted to do this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, I mean, fast forward now a year and a half. We're killing it. Um, mm-hmm. We we are very very well known in the Fort Lauderdale Broward County area. Yeah, plug the location. Yeah, so, people- so so we're right now we're in uh, Flagler Village, right off of like Sunrise um, and a- US One. Okay. Uh, kind of where like the railroad tracks are, where like Sunrise turns into US One. Okay. There's like the old Sears Center. It's mm-hmm. right there. Uh, we're we're butt up next to Glitch Bar and JBNC. We're right there in the middle. But we're opening up another location in Plantation, mm-hmm. in the uh, the Fountains Plaza. Wow. So right next door to to the uh, Total Wine. Okay. There's like a Dix in there, Sicilian oven. It's like real close. Wow. So we're in process of construction in there right now. Um. So we're gonna be in that. Um, and it's moving fast, man. Our goal is to to, to open up a third location, either wow. Miami or Boca, by the end of this year. How does the clientele work with that, bro? Is it, I mean, similar to like an ice cream shop? So, people, do you have like regulars? Do people buy batches? Or are they buy, like, dude? So it's funny, man. We we went into this thinking that we were going to attack like the late night crowd, right? So that's why we opened up the first one next to a bar, Glitch Bar. And you stayed open to we were open to three in the morning at wow, first, okay. and just selling cookies to drunk people. But it really wasn't that kind lucrative, to be honest. Kind with of you. like the insomnia blueprint, exactly. Right. You know, so we wanted to be this late night cookie shop. I remember one time, man, I was working in the shop, and um, it's like two thirty in the morning, and some drunk kid walks into the door, and he just looks around, and he locates our beverage fridge, and he opens up the fridge, and he grabs a milk carton, cracks it open, chugs it, man, and he just, and he's blacked out, chugs the milk. Turns, looks at me, and he goes, what is this place? And I was like, <laughs> yo, it's a cookie shop, yeah. man. And you owe me $3 for yeah. that milk. Yeah. And he was like, oh, man, for sure, for sure. And he literally bought like 10 cookies, and then one showed his friends. And wow. now we had a bunch of drunk people over. But th- that that didn't really pop off like we thought it would because of the pandemic. So the pandemic came. Wow. The bars were closed. People weren't, you know, out. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So we actually changed the entire you know narrative of our of our shop. It's pickup window only because being able to have a pickup window was the only way that you could actually stay open in Fort right. Lauderdale. So we closed the door, locked the door, implanted a a slide up window so that DoorDash and whoever wanted to come, we can just pass through the window and close it. Like that was the why that was the reason. Oh, that was the only way that it could be legal for us to stay open. Right. So it changed our entire thing. It also allowed us to build an online platform. You know, like we had maybe 10% of our revenue was coming from DoorDash before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Now it's a heavy favorite. You know what I'm saying? So wow. like everybody's ordering, everybody's ordering or going online and placing an order, you know, early because we sell out a lot. Right. You know, so it's, we've really built this online program and it's now all of our future locations so, will never be inside. That's what I was going to add. So most of your revenue comes from delivery driver, delivery stuff. So yes and no, a lot of walk up window. Okay, so there's a lot of foot traffic in, in our area in Fort Lauderdale and there's also art walks and mm-hmm. there's like, you know, all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, um, you know, people just, just drive by on their way home. Right. They just come by, jump out real quick, grab a cookie. We're all about speed. You know, it happens fast. You know, right. if you come to the shop, you order six cookies, we put them in the oven for two minutes to warm them up, we throw them in a box, and you're gone. Right. You know, it's a quick thing. So how, how many cookies do you think you guys make a day? Um, So we, I'd say we probably sell anywhere between 500 to 1,000 a day. Wow. Yeah. We've really that's cranked cool. up. We've cranked up, yeah. And that's dope to know that you said you started this a year and a half ago? 
Yeah, man. And uh, just branding. We, we built it. We built it very well. So branding. For, so for the people out there that want to open up, whether it's a restaurant or anything, you could start something a year and a half ago and a year and a half goes by and now you're opening up a second location. It can yeah. happen that quick. Yeah. So restaurant business is a little bit different. Um, okay, like for, right. you know, we're, we're more like a novelty bakery. So we didn't need like, like grease traps. Style. Yeah. We didn't need grease traps and hoods and, and certain, you know, ventilation that like, you know, grills and gas, you know, right. you know things. Would, we don't need that. We have an electric oven. You know what I mean? So, wow. so it's it was easy for us. We needed to change the voltage on a wall. Wow. So that's why it was so turnkey because we didn't need to install all these things. Um, you know, but if you're looking to do any kind of like you know bakery or um, cake pops or you know let's just say you like a food truck type thing, yeah, you can make it happen. You just gotta hustle. Wow. And you have to have a good product. I mean, at the end of the day, we would not be where we are if it wasn't for Max. Right. His cookies are amazing. I could tell him to, I could put together five ingredients, like crazy ingredients, and he's going to make an amazing cookie that tastes awesome. Wow. So can you speak to one of the signature cookies, one of the most popular I mean, ones? So I can go over the whole menu real quick. So we have our classic chocolate chip, mm -hmm. which is a, a vanilla dough, um, and it's Valrona chocolate, which is a very, very high-end chocolate from France. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, we have, so off the menu, but it, right now, is our pears and oats so this is our old menu it's uh it's caramelized pears with a, like an oatmeal raisin cookie wow. um, surrounded by it's amazing shout man. out to the chef that's shout crazy chef. bro it's, it's insane caramelized yeah. pear cookies that's we nuts. got another one called our cookies and cream which is our double chocolate dough with a homemade oreo cream cheese filling mm -hmm. with a chocolate ganache on top and crushed oreos um we got a fun fruity this one's pretty cool it's a sugar cookie with fruity pebbles rolled inside and sprinkles Wow. Um, we had a, a s'mores, a cinnamon toast crunch s'mores. Um, my favorite cookie on the menu is probably our blueberry lemon swirl. Um, it's like a blueberry muffin with a lemon pound cake mixed together. It's amazing, Damn. brother. It's amazing. Wow. Um, we have a, a monthly special every single month, so there's always new cookies. I mean, that's the thing. And we're always kind of keeping everybody guessing. Man. Yeah. So, like, we had, we had a donut So, we put a chocolate chip cookie inside of a glazed donut. I mean, it, it was crazy, dude. It sounds like a stoner's it, dream, yes, bro. It was crazy. So, so we do a really good job, man. Plug the plug the Instagram, bro. So it's at Batch Cookie Co. B A T C H C O O K I E C O. Okay. Yeah, Lo man. Local Broward business is not corporate. Go That's support it. that, man. You got it, man. Nick Hicks, I appreciate you pulling up. I appreciate up. you, brother. Real quick, man. Yeah. How do you think the Dolphins are looking for this year? Dolphins are looking great, man. Depends on the draft. Gotcha. We got to draft. We got to draft the right pieces because there's a lot of guys in this draft this year that can be day one starters, that can be impact players, mm -hmm. and we need to make sure we get those guys. So, um, what would you like to see specifically? Man, so um, we need offensive weapons, mm -hmm. um, but we also need an offensive tackle. Mm -hmm. um, I think that Sewell from Oregon for the third pick would be a safe bet. But I think we need to go and get somebody like a Jamar Chase or a Kyle Pitts at that number three that is going to, you know, just be explosive. I don't remember the last time we ever had a really household name at receiver. You know what I mean? Devontae yeah. Parker could have been that guy, you know, but he riddled with injuries. I mean, he's, I think he still got it. But I don't really remember the last time we had a guy like yeah. a like a Julio Jones or a DeAndre Hopkins. Like, we never had a guy like that. But then One of those guys really could be had that guy. offensive line either. So yeah. I think about that too, you know? But, but you know, we, we put together a pretty solid offensive line. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's guys later in the draft that we can get. Okay. Um, you know, Sewell's solid. Um, okay. And a good thing about him, he, he opted out last year and he's got a healthy body. Okay. But I think we need to get some playmakers, man. Okay. Dope, dope. That's what I think. Nick Hicks, plug yep. your social media for everybody. Uh, the Notorious Nick Hicks is my personal. Um, okay. Spelled N-O-T-O-R-I-O-U-S and then N-I-K-H-I-X. And okay. then uh, my gym is Perform, P-E-R, the number four, O-R-M. 
Okay, cool. Are, are you are you single? Are you? Oh, I, I have a girlfriend. Yeah. Okay, you gotta go. Yeah, okay, I got so a girl, man. I'm not, I got I'm a girl. not gonna send all our female listeners in your DMs. Yeah. Don't worry, bro. But it's my safe. girl though, she uh fixes credit, man. If y'all need to get your credit right, oh shit. At, at little Janessa, hit okay. her up, man. She'll take care of you. There it is, Nick yes, Hicks. Sir. Thank you, brother. Appreciate, Appreciate you, bro. Appreciate you, bro. Yes, Thank sir. you.